0: Much for joining us today on episode number 174 of the Real Life Runners Podcast. So, running is a very interesting sport. We do a lot of it, we run lots and lots of miles. But, where are we trying to get to? What are we trying to do? And, where exactly are we going? Today, we talk about the running journey.
1: This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we are your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running.
0: So just as a quick reminder, if you haven't signed up for our virtual race yet, let's go ahead and talk about it. Go to realliferunners.com forward slash race and sign up for our virtual challenge at the end of the year. You can run the race anytime between December 31st and January 3rd. You can choose your distance. You can choose your swag. Head over to realliferunners.com forward slash race to register today.
1: We're supporting a great cause with this run. The Girls Gotta Run Foundation, which uh, helps raise all sorts of money and and builds essentially like family from from the ground up. The, The money goes to help a girl and her mother in Ethiopia to learn all sorts of skills and life lessons. It's a phenomenal cause.
0: Yeah, it's a great organization. So if you haven't registered yet, go over and do that now. Today, we are going to be talking about the running journey because running is kind of an odd thing if you think about it.
1: Yeah, You got me started on this one about like, well, let's think about the runner's journey. It got me a little science geeked out on this one because one of the first things I teach in physics is the difference between displacement and distance, which kind of always makes me think that running is a pointless thing because distance (laughs) says no matter how far you go, you cover that distance. Mm -hmm. But displacement says if you end up exactly where you started, you actually didn't do anything. It's zero.
0: (laughs) It's zero. So, I mean, most of us, Start and end from
1: home. Exactly. Or, or start
0: and end from the same place.
1: Right. You, you Even if you go to a park, you start and end at your car in the parking lot. You go run whatever trail you do, but you end up <laughs> back at your car. Track races, lap after lap after lap, but you finish where you start.
0: <laughs> That's so funny. So yeah, I think it is very interesting to think about, like, where are we trying to go with all of this? What are we trying to accomplish? What are you trying to get out of running? And Quite frankly, that answer is different for every person.
1: Right, but that answer takes it way beyond like, where are we going? Because, you know, we're going back to our house, especially as, as we hit winter, because <laughs> <laughs> there's warmth inside of the house. I know.
0: We are experiencing a Florida winter currently here where it actually dipped below 50 degrees last night.
1: Right. So all of the kids at school are wearing like mittens and stocking caps. Parkas. They're walking around wrapped up in blankets at yeah, all when times. When did
0: that become a thing? Like I noticed that over the last couple of years with the high school kids, they just all come to school wearing blankets.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like three years ago, they just, they carry blankets. They just wear them at all times.
0: <laughs> like a sweatshirt maybe?
1: No because we're not allowed to have hooded sweatshirts at my school. Uh, so but they all can just put
0: blankets over their heads.
1: I mean they literally just wrap themselves up like it's <laughs> a giant sleeping bag at all times. Just constantly wrapped in that. Don't worry that there's heat inside my classroom. Just keep yourself wrapped in your blankets.
0: Yeah. So where did you come To running from, I think that's a good place to start, right? When we start to think about the running journey, let's think about our starting point first, because a lot of us got into running later in life. I would say, like some of us are like you, and that you know got into running earlier in life, like as a kid or in high school, like as a young person. And then some of us got into running later in life because we just wanted to get in shape or lose weight or just become more fit and stronger.
1: Right, I think, but whichever, you know, timeline you're following, you kind of came into running from one of these two major angles. You came from another sport, or you came from trying to get in shape. Mm -hmm. And they kind of have different starting places. And the timeline also plays a role in there. But if you came from another sport, suddenly you're into running, running, running is, well, there's a team aspect in terms of like people being around you to support you. Running is very much a solo thing. Like what you put into it, it gives back to you a lot more than a team sport where you, especially on like, I don't know, think of like a football team, you can be a role player. And if your quarterback stinks, it doesn't matter how good of a wide receiver you are. They're never getting the ball to you.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So teams like typical and classical team sports, you do you know, the the success of the team does depend a lot on the interplay between players on the team, right? The interaction between those different players. But in running, yes, there are teams, right? Especially in cross country. We talk to our team about this all the time, about how running is in a way a solo thing, right? You're going out there and you're pushing yourself, but you're also still scoring points for the team. And the team is the one that can qualify for, you know... Districts, regionals, state meets, you know, they can qualify for different things and you can move on as a team. And there's also that idea of team support too.
1: Which is super huge. I mean, I know I've heard a lot of interviews with like the professional runners or semi pro runners that say that one of the things that they liked about running was that if they pushed really hard it didn't matter if their teammates slacked off because they could still excel as an individual i mean you're talking about people who were like state champions on their own and their team was okay and and that's interesting but it still has a team aspect they would say like my teammates weren't trying as hard as me but they were still super encouraging of how hard that athlete wanted to go
0: right so but at the same time like it is much easier i think in a lot of ways to push yourself harder when you have a competitive supportive team
1: right and we see that all the time down here especially among among the high school athletes every once in a while you get like the individual superstar but a lot of times the super studs come off of the stacked teams mm-hmm. like if you're trying to vie for a state title, and so is your teammate, you're both going to get a whole heck of a lot faster.
0: Right. Because there's that competition and it's not necessarily about beating the other person, but it's like the old saying, like we rise together, right? Yes. Like by, by lifting others, that helps to elevate all of us.
1: Right. So when you get into this sport where you've got like the team supporting you, it goes around competition. And sometimes that's the negative of having like the solo aspect of it. Like I love the team support because everybody builds each other up. And yeah, you're kind of like, oh, I wonder if I'm going to be faster than this person today. They were faster than me at the last race. So like there's some friendly competition, Mm -hmm. but it's not this super brutal comparison. Sometimes when you go too solo, you get stuck in the comparison trap of, of, oh well, I have to. Uh, I have to be faster than that person. I have to be faster than I was last week or last year or whatever it is. And the comparison tends to to hurt a lot of people, especially people coming from other sports. I think
0: right, and I think that you know in other sports the mentality is a lot different than it is in endurance sports and in long distance running, especially because. I was a three-sport athlete in high school, and none of my sports were running. Like, running was the punishment for all of my sports, which is one of the reasons I hated running in high school. So I played basketball, volleyball, and softball, and that – all of those sports require short bursts of high intensity energy. And so a lot of times people coming from other sports think that the same thing applies to running. Like we see this all the time on our team, you know, the freshmen that come out on our team and they take off, we send them out on their run and we try to explain to them how to like slow down and pace themselves, but they have no idea what to do. Like we were joking around that the freshmen boy on our team this year like he would just his goal was to like stay ahead of the girl so he would sprint and then he would have to walk and then she would kind of catch up to him and he would sprint again and then he would walk and it was not an effective way to train
1: no but he was a soccer forward so he could run but he could really run like he optimized his running as running really fast over short short bursts mm-hmm. and then recovering fairly quickly right. so that he could then surge again because mm-hmm. that's how it works in soccer right and that endurance does translate but you got to kind of pull yourself back a little bit and and have a different way of running you know
0: right so then we move from people that are coming from another sport and then we think about people that maybe started a little bit later that are just trying to get in shape right maybe you're trying to lose some weight maybe you're just trying to get stronger get fitter just get in better shape and there's a different mentality when you start from this point as well.
1: Right. Because your goals are not necessarily to just see how fast you can get. Your goals are much more related to like specific health, maybe even specific numbers. Like what is a number on a scale? What is the size of, you know, my, my waistband on my pants, like very specific numbers that are not necessarily related to how far or fast you're going. You're trying to see other outcomes from this thing.
0: Right. And that's an interesting mindset to come into it also, because then if you see running as just basically a means to an end, right, is essentially what that is. If I run, then I'll be in better shape, which means I will be able to wear a smaller jean size or see a different number on the scale, then running becomes something that you just have to do in order to get this result that you want, which can really be, you know, a lot like a There's a lot of negative connotation when it comes to that.
1: Right. It saps a lot of the fun and the enjoyment out of running because you have to do it so that you can get to your eventual goal. You know, it's... Like, eating should be an enjoyable activity, but eating under a restrictive diet is less of an enjoyable activity. Mm-hmm. You know, running is a super enjoyable activity, but when you have to get in this many miles because you have to burn this many calories and at these exact paces, it just saps the fun out of running.
0: Right, and then it also makes it very hard to stay motivated a lot of times. I think, yeah. you know, like some people will see the initial gains, right? And and I was just talking to somebody about this um, yesterday on one of our coaching calls. It's like when you start running, you you see the immediate gains, right? Because you haven't done it before. So if you've been you know, kind of more of a quote-unquote couch potato, right, where you haven't really been active, and then you start running, all of a sudden, you're going to start to see progress pretty quickly. You're going to, you know, go from maybe not being able to run more than like a couple of minutes or even a minute or two, and then... The more you do it, you're going to see some progress. And then eventually, at some point in time, that progress stops. And if you're coming at running with the mentality of, well, I have to do it so that I can burn this many calories or, you know, whatever it might be, then you you decide you you need to keep pushing harder. You keep pushing more. And when that doesn't give you the results that you're looking for, then...
1: Well, then you just push even more and more. And that also tends to lead towards a, a pretty negative path.
0: Right. I mean, a lot of times that's what leads a lot of runners to be injured or plateau or burnt out
1: or they go with the idea of well running must not be the thing for me there's got to be another way that I can get in shape because this one's not working or this one stopped working for me this one stopped like working like it, it was doing fine but now it seems as though this one no longer works for me and since it was never fun along the way it was just a thing that had to be done now there has to be something else. Find a different route to get to the, the end result.
0: Right, but if we can kind of let go of that and we can get past the scale or losing weight or trying to fit you know, into a certain piece of clothing and just enjoy running for its own sake, there's a whole new world, I think, that opens up. I'm, I'm going to try not to start singing from Aladdin now.
1: Excellent. I'm going to uh, reference back to the, the first one of when you come from another sport, your trap is that you have to win. Like if you are, have that big athletic mindset of I'm on this team, we have to win all of our games. So we get to the championship. Now I'm running. I have to win the races so that we get to the championship, or I'm trying to lose the weight. Once I hit these numbers, then that's my success. So that's my focus. When you can take out the comparison, when you can take out the non-running-relating goals, move beyond scale or you know how your clothes are fitting or whatever that is, then running becomes a whole heck of a lot more fun.
0: It does become more fun, and I think that people need to think about what happens when you do achieve that goal, right? Like, so forget, yes, it's true. Some people do start pushing and they start plateauing and they stop seeing results and then what? But some people get the results that they're looking for. Some people get the that weight loss goal or they get that body that they've been wanting. But then what? Do you like running for the sake of running? It, does running feel good? Does running bring other enjoyment to your life or is it still something that you just do or that you have to do?
1: Right. Which brings us really nicely into our next point, which instead of, you know, where did you start from? It's where are you actually going with this thing? Because like you said, if the goal is to get to a certain level of fitness, to get to a certain number on a scale, you could achieve that thing. And then what do you do? Like, does that mean that you're done with running? Like you did it, you made it to it and you no longer have to run anymore.
0: Right. And what a lot of people don't realize is that once you get to the goal, that's just a checkpoint. Like there are, there's, there's going to be another goal. Like people see this all the time when they cross the finish line. Maybe they've been training for a marathon and they cross the finish line and they've achieved that goal. Then it's like, your brain is all like, yes, you're happy, right? You celebrate, but then you go, well, well then what now? What do I do?
1: Yeah. I know you're like halfway through the celebratory breakfast and you're already thinking, huh? Well, I did that thing. So now what am I supposed to do? Like, do I go out and run tomorrow? Do I have to? Should I just stop? Mm -hmm. I don't really want to stop. I think I was enjoying it along the way, but I don't have a race. And a lot of people always just kind of the goal is the next race. And as we saw this year, apparently you can just cancel all of the races. And then what the heck are we supposed to <laughs> yeah. do?
0: Then what do we do? You know, I, it's funny because th- that you say that, because when I crossed the line of my first half marathon, that's exactly what happened. Like I did this thing and I, I wasn't thinking of running long term. I wasn't thinking of any of this. I was just kind of like, Hey, I wonder if I could do a half marathon. And I did the half marathon and the entire time. I enjoyed it. Like I had a smile on my face up until mile eight when it started to get a little bit harder and the wind (laughs) and the wind started to kick in a little bit more but like I was smiling through the whole thing because I was just enjoying it so much so that when I finished it and I achieved my goal so not only did I finish my half marathon for my first one I also achieved the time that I was shooting for which was like 10 minute pace like that was my goal so you're hitting
1: like all the check marks I, I
0: hit all my goals so I'm like well now what so now I'm like well I'll sign up for another one, you know, and then I'll see if I can get faster. And then a week later I found out I was pregnant.
1: Which does throw a little bit of a wrench in the in the plans. A bit of
0: a wrench. You know, like I had already picked out the next race that I wanted to, um, to do at that point because I wanted that bright green shirt because i was really into lime green that year for some reason i still like lime green but that's the reason i chose the next race is because i like the shirt
1: i remember the shirt yes. i know
0: you because you have it because
1: i have the shirt you
0: ran the race instead of me
1: well you know <laughs> I, but yes pregnancy does throw a bit of a, a, of a wrench in there i mean at least your next race was like the fort lauderdale 13.1 and it wasn't like the olympics as yes. uh like our, our u.s number one qualifier who's pregnant and due in January. Oh
0: my gosh, really? I didn't hear about <laughs> yeah. that. Oh my goodness, God bless her. So, you know, what what comes next, right? What happens? when races are canceled what you, or what do you do between races? Like if you haven't chosen your next race, like do you enjoy running for the sake of running? What is your goal? What are you trying to get out of it?
1: Yeah, because a lot of people, they'll cross the finish line and they'll be like, uh, you know, I'm just kind of kind of see how I feel for the next few weeks and maybe I'll, I'll find another race in like a month or so. But during the course of that month, they just run hit or miss. There's no rhyme or reason to it. They run one day, then they take like four off and then they run three days in a row and it's just really scattered and it takes a lot of the like the building that you just put into all of that race and all of your fitness that you've gained and it just sort of dissipates over the course of the next month so then when you do sign up for the next race you're I mean you're a little bit further than you were but but not where you could have been if you just kind of kept flowing.
0: Right, I think that's a perfect example of what lack of structure can do, right? Like the benefits of structure, like most people when they're building up to a race, like a half marathon or a marathon, um, will follow a training plan. They understand like, I I should be following a training plan. But then if there's not a race on the calendar, they just stop following a plan because they don't have a specific date on the calendar that they need to train for. But that... Is exactly what happens to most people: is they stop following a plan, they lose the structure, and then when the structure goes out the window, so does the commitment.
1: Right, because if you don't have a, a thing on the schedule that says, "Well, I have to run five miles today," or "Up oh, today, I'm doing mile repeats." it gets a heck of a lot easier to come up with 7,000 excuses of why you don't need to run that day if there's not a calendar that says exactly how many miles and at what pace you are aiming for them. So suddenly you float along for a few months until the next race does show up on the calendar. You try and plan it out because everybody knows if you're going to train for a marathon, it needs to be somewhere between 12 and 16 weeks, depending (laughs) on the plan you found.
0: No matter where your base level is. doesn't Doesn't matter. 12
1: to 16 weeks is the answer. Half marathon, 10, to 12.
0: Yeah, and clearly you guys all know that we're being sarcastic here. <laughs> so, do you want to get faster, right? Do you do you just want to get faster? I think this is another way to look at this, right? Like right. not not just do I want to get faster, but is that the only thing that I'm looking for when it comes to my running? Like there's a lot of people that start running that just want to hit PRs. PR after PR, 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 PR. And that happens a lot at the beginning.
1: Unless you're in Europe, in which case PB, 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 PB.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But then ultimately what happens when those PRs stop rolling in or it takes a little bit more effort to get to them?
1: You just keep ramping up the distances, don't you? Some people do. So at this point... It kind of goes back to that thing where you said before of when you start getting into it, a lot of the PRs come pretty quickly. Like if, if running is a new thing for you and you've never done it, when you start getting into it, suddenly you're dropping time and hitting new race bests rapidly. You know, you sign up for a 5K, you run one over the weekend, and you're like, that felt great. I should do another one. And two weeks later, you run another 5K personal best all-time record. Mm -hmm. And they just keep happening. But... At some point, it's going to be much more difficult for you to start hitting those things. You have some options of ramping up distances, having new races, having distances that you've never run because every time you do a distance for the first time, it's your personal best. But you also can try and find something out of running besides simply running that distance as fast as you've ever run it before. Like what? like actually running for just the enjoyment of how fast could I run on this day in these circumstances. Like if you run a race, even if, if you are the PR kind of chaser, if you run a race that's suddenly really, really hilly, like, I mean, my sister's got a a half marathon marathon. I can't remember which one. But it was run through, like, the Santa Cruz, like, hills. Like, the entire race is nonstop up and down. There's no flat in the entire thing. You're never climbing, like, a crazy mountain, but it is always up and down the entire thing. That's not a race to go out and run a PR at. So why do people sign up to do that thing? One, it's beautiful. And two, the challenge of saying that you accomplished that distance over that kind of terrain. And it's not something that you can compare to, which is why I think cross-country personal records are a very interesting thing now that everything in Florida is all certified as like, it has to be a five K cross country course. Okay. But like, what about the pancake course versus that one that actually has a hill put into the middle of it? Can you compare those? Like, yes, they're the same distance, but they're very different courses. And this is, you know, what we try and tell the kids on our team is success does not mean that you ran faster than the week before. It means that you ran as hard as you can Today, Like Mm -hmm. you got into that race and you you dug down and you know in your heart that you put in everything that you could that day. The clock was also running, but it wasn't necessarily about what the clock said when you crossed the finish line.
0: Right, because I think that a lot of times people can use the clock and that number as proof that they're good enough or proof that Mm -hmm. they did something or some sort of merit badge when... Maybe you just had a really great race one day, and that's what the time was. Or maybe you had just a really crappy race one day, and that's what the time was. Like, the time, like you just said, like, there was happened to be a clock there as well. But, like, did you actually go out and give it your best? Were you able to do more? You know, did it just not feel great that day? Like, I, I found it very interesting when you told me because, like I said, I would, I did not run – Cross country in high school. And so, my experience with cross country is coaching it now. And when and where we coach, it is all 5Ks. Every single race you run is a 5K. And when you told me that when you were in high school, it was just like some courses were 2.9 some were 3.1 some were 2.7 like they were kind of all over the board nothing
1: was longer than a 5k everything yeah. was in the ballpark of three miles yeah ish. yeah and that was it because it's also it's a trail like how much can you actually certify a cross-country 5k course Well,
0: especially back then when there was no gps watch
1: uh, gps watches are not going to accurately certify it anyway like to certify True. a road race you use like a metal tape to do it like the certification process is involved. You physically can't do it on a cross-country course. Mm -hmm. It's impossible.
0: Right. So it's just interesting though, the way that you talked about how you tracked progress because you can't, literally you cannot compare one course to another. So you just kind of compared that course like your personal best on that course
1: right and there were some courses that people have been running on and it was the same loop in that park for the last like 30 or 40 years and so there were some courses that had records that went back a long long time but then we also ran a course up in like in San Francisco that was around Golden Gate Park that changed you know, like, there was the course, and then we came back the next year, and they're like, actually, they're they're replanting some stuff over there, so we're going to do this different course. <laughs> it, it was still super flat, and the weather was great because it was San Francisco, but it was not the same course. Mm-hmm. It was – both of them were three miles. Both of them ended up on, like, the, the horse track in there, but they were kind of different, so they weren't really a perfect comparison. Yeah, You just – You also knew that you could compare to, like, the other kids that you were running against, the other kids on your team. But ultimately, it did come down to how hard did I push that day? Do I feel like I actually raced that day, or did I back off halfway through when it started getting hard?
0: Right, and I think that this is an important part that leads us nicely into our next point. Like, so, it's great. You know, when you first start running to see these numbers on a clock, numbers are such an easy target right there it's such it's so easy to set number related goals that's why a lot of people think about their weight right because it's a number right it's a weight on a scale so if they want to get fit and get in better shape in their minds it's very easy to watch that number go down right that is a very trackable and easy to measure thing to let you know whether or not you are moving towards your goal same thing with running running If you're getting faster and that number on the clock is decreasing, that is a surefire sign that you actually are progressing and you are getting faster, that something is working. Your efforts are worthwhile, right? I mean, that's ultimately what this is. What I'm doing right now makes a difference. What I am doing matters and I am getting results because of what I'm doing right now. That's what it is.
1: Right. And so many runners focus on the clock and you can say, oh, I don't, I, I'm really out there just for the experience. But in general, the majority of runners focus on the numbers and there's legit evidence behind this. Like if you look at all of the race results, not this year, cause there aren't any, <laughs> or they're like... Real scattered results, but like in, on a normal year, if you look at all of the race results of like a half marathon, there are clusters of times right or, like most people finish right around numbers that end in a zero mm-hmm. because there's a huge amount of people that are like, oh, I'm going to try and break two hours for the marathon. So there's a huge like for the half marathon. So yeah, there's, there's like a guy, maybe a couple that are like, I think I can do that also of two hours for the marathon. But There's right one around, guy that's done it. Right around two hours for the half or, you know, right around an hour 45. Like that seems like a reasonable number or an hour and 30. And then there's also smaller clusters right around the minute marks mm-hmm. of like seven minutes per mile or eight minutes per mile. Right. And then when when you get out of the US, it clusters around the kilometer paces also. Mm-hmm. And like... It's crazy how you go from like the big giant races like New York and Chicago and the U.S. and then you flip over to the big races like London and Berlin over in Europe and the clusters change from mile paces to kilometer paces because everybody's looking at the numbers. That's
0: so interesting. But at some point, okay, so when you're a new runner, a lot of times you will be getting faster. But as we continue on in our running journey, not only do we gain more running years, but we also gain more chronological years, which is interesting for those of us that began earlier in life like you, right? Like you were a stud in high school and then ran in Division I college. So now you are later in life and you have children and other things going on. So can you really compare yourself to... Fifteen-year-old Kevin or eighteen-year-old Kevin, right? Like you ran fast your fastest times then.
1: And it's really tricky to try and compare myself now. I'm tried to do it. Yeah, I tried to hit like a break ten in the two You're mile. Two mile, right? That did not go go well. The problem I is, I still
0: think you can do
1: that. I probably could. But I'm not sure I can do it solo, looping around our neighborhood. I might be able to do it on a track where I've got mm-hmm. like the the feedback of every every quarter split. It's just really tough, and I don't enjoy hitting the speed the same way that I did in high school. Like I don't like cranking out 200 meter repeats. Mm-hmm. In high school, it was fun to be like, "Yeah, let's just burn the track, let's go for it, it's awesome." And right now, I'm just like, "Oh God, really fast 200 meters, just." Doesn't sound fun. Maybe, <laughs> maybe like some warm tea and, and some tempo miles seems like a nice thing to do.
0: Warm tea and tempo miles. <laughs> so, you know, how long do you want to do this sport, right? Like eventually, like if you are running when you're say 30 even, right? Right do you think you're going to be able to run the same time when you're 70? Like, I hope that you're still running when you're 70. That is my hope for every single person listening to this podcast is that you are able to run as long as you want. And that's what we teach people how to do. We coach our runners how to run in a sustainable fashion, how to incorporate strength training and mobility work so that your body cooperates with you as you get older and you can continue to run and do what you love. But our times when we're 70 are not going to look like our times when we're 30.
1: No, no, they're just going to keep getting a little slower. Although I am, as much as I don't want my age to start with a four, when it does, I hit a new age group category in Mm -hmm. all races. So there's that, that neat aspect to it.
0: Right. Um, But the thing is, if you are only running because of the time on the clock and the PR then at some point, I don't know when that's going to be for you, at some point your PRs are going to stop. And I don't know when that's going to be, but are you going to keep running afterwards? Do you find benefits and enjoyment in running that will keep you running even if your times aren't getting faster?
1: Right, and it's it's something to think of even if you're at a place where your times still are getting faster. Yes. Is what kind of satisfaction are you getting out of running besides simply the times, like what level of runner? And I don't mean like speed level comparison to other people. I mean like how involved in running do you want to be? Or to flip it, how much do you want running to be a part of your life? Like how much of of your identity do you kind of link with I'm a runner? And what does that mean? Because I'm a runner doesn't have to mean I run on a crush PRs. It could mean that, you know, I go out and I run four days a week. I go out and I run three days a week. Like I, this is my level of participation. I race this many times a year because I like to do that. I think it's going to be fantastic when, you know, I'm an old dude and I'm out there. I'm still going to be rocking short shorts because that's totally how I'm showing up to races. (laughs) Because that's how I always show up to races. Don't give me that look. You know, it's coming. And I'm going to be out there and I'm going to keep pushing as best as I can. I'm not going to be out there putting my foot on the starting line, but I will be in the pack and I will push as hard as I can push on that day. Mm -hmm. It's not going to have the same time results, but I'm still going to have, I fully believe, the same level of enjoyment out of it because I know that I will be pushing as best as I can push on that day.
0: Right. And I think that that's when it's okay to start shifting our goals. Like maybe you're not hitting PRs like personal bests of all time, but maybe this is just your personal record this year or maybe in this age group, right? You can still set master's records and you can still, um, you know, win age level categories. Like those are all really great things to chase as well. But even if you're not doing it for the competition like there's a lot of people listening to this that aren't trying to compete to win any races or aren't even trying to compete for age group awards and they if they do get one it's just like kind of a happy surprise but the competition isn't the ultimate goal the ultimate goal is pushing yourself to be better.
1: Right, it's not it's not a competition against others. It's a competition against kind of your mind, really, because yeah. that's where your growth is happening. Yes, it's cool. You get some amazing health benefits. Be a super healthy person. Go out there and run, and you know it, your knees don't get weaker. You're not more prone to arthritis. Your knees actually get stronger. Your lungs get stronger. Your heart gets stronger. Everything about running makes you overall a healthier person, as long as you don't push to crazy extreme levels and ignore sleep. As That has its own issues. It does. But if you kind of just take it from the overall health perspective, yes, you're gaining all of those benefits, but the benefits in your head are phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And part of that comes with... Putting yourself in these races of like, all right, I was able to push through that. I was able to push through that start set of my training, and then I was able to push through the race also. Like, this, it's amazing what you can do, and it causes physical, but it also causes drastic and beautiful mental changes as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I want us to start thinking about this. And I, again, I was just having a conversation with one of our clients about this week on a coaching call. And it's like, she was talking to me and asking me about why she hasn't been improving. Like before she joined our team, she's like, I just, I wasn't improving at all. I was going out and I was running three days a week and then I just wasn't improving. And so I said to her, I said, okay, well, I'm guessing that when you first started running, you started to improve, right, a lot at the beginning and then you just kind of stopped improving. Is that right? And she's like, yes, how did you know that? I'm like, because we hear that a lot from people. And what happens is, People will just kind of hit that plateau, that natural plateau, and then what happens from there, right? And I and she said, well, I'm just not improving, but now she's starting to, right? She joined our team about a month ago. Now she's starting to improve. She's starting to see the different way that we train. She's starting to follow our method. She's getting already, in a couple of weeks, she's already seen improvement, and she's excited about that, which is fantastic, right? And she's like, but... I'm not, I'm not there yet. And I said, okay, well, how fast do you want to get there, though? Like yeah,
1: point three. Right, how like, fast do you want to get there? How
0: fast do you want to get to that goal? What is the timeline in your head, and why do you have that timeline? I think that right now, we are in a culture that is all about immediate gratification. We want our results, and we want them right now. And the thing is, when we get the results... We're never as satisfied as we think we're going to be.
1: Yeah, it's the des- dessert first sati- or, uh, satisfaction there. Like if we, you go out to a restaurant, and you're like, "All right, I want to make sure I have room for dessert. In fact, I'm going to start with dessert." Is that dessert going to be as satisfying? Like you, you just get that immediate rush of this is what I, this is the thing I have to have, and I have to have it as quick as possible, in order to to get like the super satisfying result out of running, really. It's it's a matter of taking your time, having some struggles along the way, pushing through those, growing through the entire thing, actually enjoying the journey and not just the destination.
0: Right. Because when we get to the destination, if we rush to get there, then we fail to enjoy the ride along the way, and the ride is the best part. Like We always tell people, and those of you that have been listening to us for a while have probably heard us say this before, the race is not the goal. The race is not the final destination. The race is just your victory lap. If you train for 16 weeks for your marathon (laughs) – what do you go through in that 16 weeks? The, the person that you become, the commitment, the consistency that it took you to get to the starting line. Not not the finish line, the starting line. Yes, marathons are hard. I'm not taking that away. Completing a marathon is an amazing accomplishment. But it's the accomplishment that the past 16 weeks have brought you, not the past four hours.
1: Right. The I mean... Yes, there's some mental strength that you gain during the race itself that that is not touched during the training. It, it requires a few extra bits of insanity in there, but the, the training and the miles and the miles and the hours out there, that causes massive changes in you. That helps open up places that you didn't know existed inside of you. That's where you're like, oh, wow, that's the perseverance. That's the belief I need to have in myself is a huge one that you develop along the way is learning that you actually can do things. Because if you've never run a half or you've never run a full marathon, you have to gain this belief that it's even possible for you to do it.
0: And the fact that (laughs) that thought is even in your head means that it is possible. You've just opened up the door to that possibility. So if you've literally only had the thought, hmm, I wonder if I could run a half marathon, that door is already open to you. That is already a possibility that exists in your reality.
1: Yes, and the answer is yes, there is a way to do it. You need a plan, you need a, you need an approach to it. And that doesn't necessarily mean that that plan is going to fit neatly into 12 weeks. But There is a plan to get there. Trying to rush it very often leads to the dangerous possibility of skipping steps along the way, Mm -hmm. like pretending that running is only about running, that you can just totally ignore the whole idea of strength and mobility and nutrition and recovery. It was like, well, I had a training schedule. It said to run these exact miles. So as long as I run those miles, the race will be exactly at this pace. Cause that was my plan. It's, I downloaded the sub two hour half marathon plan <laughs> and I ran the exact workouts but did you actually take in the whole experience? Because if you didn't, you might not have gained all of the things along the way that you really needed to gain.
0: Right. And I think that that's another downfall of just the generic plans that you download from the internet is that they don't come along with all of the mindset shifts. Sometimes if you, if you are dedicated, a lot of those shifts you can get on your own but a lot of those shifts are much easier to make when you have people there to support you whether that's a running group maybe you have a local group of runners that you like to run with or friends even if they're virtual right like if you have a friend across the country that's also a runner that you can talk about you know like that you can talk to when you have those runs that don't go so great like someone else that knows firsthand what that feels like that's I mean, you can't put a price on that.
1: No, if if you go through and you, you know you've got the perfect training plan, but you have a couple of workouts in a row that don't go well, now suddenly do you have any more faith in that training plan? Do you have faith in yourself that you are actually being successful with the training plan? Like, oh, the plan came with the mileage and the exact paces, and I missed it for a couple of workouts in a row. Does that mean that I have no shot of hitting the end goal in mind?
0: No, it doesn't. And just like, just, you know in the opposite way, right? Even if you hit every single workout on your training plan at the exact paces that were prescribed to you, that also does not guarantee the result that you're looking for.
1: Right. Sometimes, and I mean, I've had this conversation with uh, several of our clients is they were knocking out workouts and crushing it week after week after week. And finally they had one that didn't go well. Yeah. And you know, they type in little comments to us and they're like, it's it, This was terrible. I'm not sure that that I'm actually hitting the plan. I'm not sure this is going to go well. And Mm I write back, thank God you had a bad one Mm -hmm. because you needed one. Like you've only had success in this training plan. Something needed to provide the struggle and you had to grind through that workout because somewhere in the middle of your race it's not going to go all sunshine and rainbows. And like it's, unicorns. And unicorns. <laughs> like there's, it's, I, I, when, when our daughter has the scary dreams, we always fix them because she has a magic unif- unicorn that shows up in the dreams and then whatever scary thing is happening, she can just jump on the unicorn and fly away. That doesn't actually show up in real races.
0: Wouldn't it be cool if it did It'd though?
1: Awesome if it did. Somewhere around like mile 20 of every marathon, there's just this whole field of unicorns that you can jump on and ride out the last 10k
0: okay but then would it be worth it right nope. exactly not like, at all so yeah that sounds wonderful right like i'm gonna at mile 20 i'm gonna jump on a unicorn and i'm gonna go to the finish line but then you didn't actually do it right like does like how satisfied would you feel crossing the marathon line on, on, on your a unicorn, unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> but for real right like it, it's not as satisfying because you didn't get there
1: right it, it's You didn't have to get through... As soon as you hit the struggle, you found a magic solution to it. And the satisfaction comes from that the magic solution is already in you. There's not a magic unicorn for you to jump on. There is that belief in your head. There's that strength in your heart. Yes, your legs can still function because your mind is going to overcome how tired they are, and you're going to say, we're still running. We're still running this pace. It's not pain. That's fatigue. That's a sign that we're going fast enough, and we're going to keep going. Oh, I got a side stitch? Don't worry. It's going to disappear in about five minutes because I'm able to keep running through this thing. It's those struggles, it's overcoming those challenges that make crossing the finish line so satisfying. That's when you see the tears at the finish line of people that crossed their first marathon, their first half marathon, heck, cross their first 5k when they never thought they would even be able to go farther than five minutes. It's overcoming the struggles that leads to the satisfaction, not sunshine and rainbows. That's not, I mean, it's great but it's not quite that same level of satisfaction.
0: Yeah. And that's really what the training plan is all about is showing you that you are stronger than you think you are, that you are capable of doing this and that maybe if you just put in a little bit more effort, you are capable of so much more than you already believe is possible that you already give yourself credit for. And that kind of thing just overflows into the rest of your life, like there was someone that put up a post in the tribe um, last week who just ran her goal. She achieved her goal of twenty twenty miles, like she ran two thousand and twenty miles on on the year, and she talked about how achieving this goal. And not not just achieving it, right? Because she hasn't, she didn't achieve it until last week. But working towards this goal has spilled over into her business. She's an entrepreneur, right? And like has, has showed her in other areas of her life, well, all I have to do is commit to something, show up and be consistent, and change my mindset and my belief system around that. And I am capable of all kinds of things that I never thought I was before.
1: Yeah. It's, it's the opening of possibilities. That's, that's what it does is it just opens the possibility of what else can I do? What else have I been putting a lid on that I, did, I thought was an impossible thing? Mm-hmm. All I need is a commitment. All I need is the thought that that thing is possible because look at this crazy thing that I just accomplished. Mm-hmm. Look at the journey. Yep, struggled along the way, but I made it.
0: Still did it. Still did
1: it, exactly. Yeah.
0: And and that's the thing that running can open up for us. And I think that that is one of the most beautiful things about running is that you are literally capable of anything you can dream. Like If you have the thought, it is a possibility for you. All you have to do is commit to it and figure out a way to get there. And I think that way, right, having a plan, having a goal in mind, figuring out what your goal is, find out where, you're, where do you start, right? So going back to our running journey, right? Let's, yep. let, let's, let's bring it back to where we started this episode. Figure out your starting point. Figure out where you want to go and then make a plan to get there because that structure of a plan will actually give you the tools that you need to actually get to that destination. Would you build a house without a blueprint?
1: Not a good one.
0: Not a good (laughs) one. You know, like, I mean, that's the thing is like, people are like, oh, I can just wing it. Right. And sure. If you just want to kind of get in better shape, Like, you can just go out and run. Like, running is one of those things that's pretty simple, right? You can go out and you can run three miles, you can run four miles, but then what happens if you actually want to improve or if you just want to feel better when running? Like, a lot of people go out and they push hard all the time and they don't enjoy it because it doesn't feel good. Like, running hard all the time doesn't feel good. Like, when you run at different effort levels and you have a structured plan that's like, Oh, today's an easy day. Oh, today's a hard day. Like, you know, that, you can kind of have fun with it and running can just feel so much better.
1: Right. When you have the combination of easy days where you get to recover hard days, maybe you look, look at that one, you're a little nervous about it, but you also look towards it with excitement. Mm -hmm. Like it has a combination of those feelings just because that hard day is, is an unknown because you're not sure how that one's going to go, you know, but having some structure to it is nice. I often break 2000 miles over the course of, of a year, but I didn't plan on it this year. And without the goal of trying to run 2020 in 2020, I'm totally going to come up short. Are you? Oh, completely going to come up short because it wasn't on my list of goals. And I, I saw that in like November and I could have tried to restructure my November, December and still been able to hit it, mm-hmm. but it was never like a thing. that I was aiming for this year so missing it is not suddenly like oh man I can't believe I didn't hit that thing this year Mm -hmm. because that wasn't on my schedule I was doing other things I've had great fun with all sorts of things I've been able to accomplish this year I'm going to be able to hit a checkpoint at the end of the year and see what happens on December 31st as part of our race and see how, see what happens with that and then that's not the end of of my journey, that's just the last day of 2020 springboard off of that, like the whole idea of taking one race and springboarding to the next one, I'm seeing the benefits literally right now of I ran a marathon right before Thanksgiving as part of a training schedule, not as like the end of a training, but as part of it and use that to springboard and see what I can do over the next month. I'm making leaps that I've never done before Mm -hmm. because following most marathons, I push really hard and I take a good chunk of time off and that's a good healthy thing to do but I'm seeing what happens if I don't push as hard in the marathon and then just keep going. Mm. It's a little interesting.
0: It is. And like, I think that that's, one of the keys is coming into this with a sense of curiosity also right so if you figure out what that long-term goal might be which is really getting down to why you run like that underlying why like why do I run I run because I want to be a healthy individual and live a long and active life and I want to be able to get on the floor and play with my grandkids or run around in the backyard with my grandkids when I'm 75 years old like that's a pretty darn good why you know I I, I I run. Um, one of the members of our team, you know, she runs because um, her, both of her children have autism, and she wants to show them what's possible. And she wants to also be strong and fit and healthy so that she can keep up with them, and she can make sure that she um, is living that healthy life so that she can help take care of them. Right. Like there, there's so many reasons that we run and that why running is so important. And so understanding that deeper why will give you that sense of purpose then like Kevin just said you kind of just pick celebration points along the path right like you got this race you got that race you push hard you train for them in order to see what you're actually capable of I mean how fun is that
1: Right. You look at the races as a chance to see what you're capable of, as a chance to be fun. It takes out some of this anxiety-inducing pressure of, oh, that's the race. That's the race. No, it's not. It's a race.
0: And I think that races should also be fun, right? Like, I think that races are great like for you to go out and PR and you know see what you're capable of but sometimes you can just run a race for fun too like I I did that a couple of years ago when I I ran the Napa to Sonoma half marathon like I a was going out there to drink a lot of wine you Mm -hmm. know because I love wine and it was a girl's trip and I was hanging out with my friends and so that was the overarching theme for that race it wasn't let me see if I can PR and I better get to bed on time and I better fuel properly like no like I went wine tasting the whole day before the race and went out fully intending on just having fun like walking if I needed to taking in the sights because the course is It's gorgeous gorgeous right but like i that was one of my favorite races and i did not pr
1: no and i mean if you had gone into that super super serious when you got stopped by the train with like a mile to go you would have been really really upset by the train
0: was at like the seven mile mark but yeah yeah it it, it was not cool
1: no and and you would have then been standing there at the seven mile mark all super frustrated and angry and then as soon as the train finally went take off sprinting Mm -hmm. which then would have wrecked the last five miles of it because now suddenly you've decided you know what I should do after running for seven miles and then standing here waiting for a train and getting super angry inside? I should just throw lead into my legs. Right.
0: No, but instead I realized that I had just had literally some wine on the course. Like <laughs> there were like people that, vineyards that you run by that were doing wine tastings during the race. Like these little, you know, sippy cups basically yep. of wine. So I had just had a very nice like, Shining Blanc, uh-huh. and then I got stuck at a train. So they're like, mm, "Okay, I oh, guess I doke. guess we're stuck at a train now." Like, and then we just kept running, and it was just so much fun. But like you said, there were people that were racing it that were so <laughs> agitated, right? But <laughs> I,
1: mean, I would be livid underst- if I was trying to, to race look, that thing in mean, a train can shows up. Understand
0: that? I mean, think about like there was the race a couple years ago down here where they had to restart the race because of the train. Do you remember that? Yes.
1: Some some people very early in the race made it across the the train tracks and then most of the race did not Mm -hmm. it was very interesting like five minutes
0: into the run or something they had to like stop it and make everybody go back to the starting line I mean that's bonkers right sometimes these things are not in our control but running your attitude your enjoyment level all of that is in your control so Think about your running as a journey and enjoy the process of it because running is such a beautiful journey if you allow it to be.
1: Right. And so as you're on the journey, you know, enjoy it. Just keep running. Just keep on going. But every once in a while, pause and take a look back and see where you've come from. Not to compare and see if you're better or worse, but to see, wow, look at everything that I have accomplished because If you really take the time to see what you've done, it's going to be amazing what it is that you've actually accomplished if you start really thinking about it with some gratitude
0: gratitude. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was just going to pop in and say is look back with that sense of gratitude for everything that you've been able to accomplish and then look ahead, look forward. This is one of the reasons that we have our team members, like all of the people on the Real Life Runners training team, we have them fill out an assessment every 90 days to figure out where they want to keep going, right? They want to have a bigger picture goal, but then we have to have these 90 point Checkment, checkpoints along the way right where we can say all right what's next not just for this 90 days but look at let's look at this year like we had one of our team members come to us with the goal of running her first half marathon she gave herself a year to do it which yep. was beautiful and so she's like okay this is my goal for the year now how are we going to break this up and then we would have 90 day plans so that we could progress her safely you know and efficiently make sure she's having fun along the way and enjoying the process and then when you check in every 90 days, you also make sure that you're still on the right path to get there.
1: Right. It's because the path is not a perfectly straight line. And from where she was to where she wanted to be was not a 12 week plan. Like the, the, nine to 12 month plan was a much more optimal timeline.
0: Right. Like she probably could have done it in 12 weeks, but it wouldn't have been an enjoyable.
1: Problem. It would not have been as, as much fun as the longer approach was. Mm-hmm. And yes, they're, they're still putting a timeline on that thing, but if the timeline needed to get stretched out, it also would have been okay if it needed to get stretched out because she was so much enjoying the process of, wow, look at what I've, I've done I may not have hit the half marathon yet, but look at where I was compared to three months ago or six months ago. Like the growth was phenomenal. Just because you haven't hit some crazy goal does not mean you haven't hit some goals along the way. You might not have thought they were goals, but they were huge steps that you have made for yourself.
0: Yeah, exactly. So running's a journey. Jump on, enjoy it and be open to new possibilities of what it can do for you and for the rest of your life. So as always, guys, thanks for joining us. This has been the Real Life Runners Podcast, episode number 174. Now get out there and run your life.
1: Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you have to come check out the Real Life Runners training team. It's our monthly coaching program where we take all of this material, we apply it, and we take it to the next level. We teach you how to train your mind, body, and skills for true and lasting success in your running and your life.
0: We offer customized training plans, live coaching calls, and one-on-one coaching, along with our proven system to help you transform into the runner you want to be and achieve your goals. Come join our team over at realliferunners.com forward slash team and start to truly run your life. We'll see you there.